Well, folks, I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific on Thursday, which means this should be, if we're every place we should be, which we're probably not, but oh well, this must be... Okay then. Happy Friday Eve and happy living by O'Hare. Can you hear the planes overhead? <laughs> is it a busy travel day down there, up there? Well, it is, you know, going into the holiday weekend. So it's the planes, trains, and automobiles. We live that here every single day. Can you imagine? No, yeah. not where I live. We have to travel to get to an airport. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have the beach, but meh. anyway, happy Pillars of Franchising Day. Happy Pillars of Franchising Day. Here we are live at it again, as usual. Yeah. I'm glad to have you back. Oh, my gosh. The second um, whole round of COVID totally, like, sucked it out of me the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Little, well, we tag-teamed little... it. You would think I might have given it to you, but I did not, in fact, since we live a thousand miles away. Yeah, we just took turns. That was weird. Maybe it's a new way it spreads. It, new, it now spreads, like, over the computer. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, <laughs> God. We'll anyway, we, we better again. not start. Yeah, no more fake news. Let's talk about real news. You want to? Yes. We, yes. And so we are on the board, you and I, of the Titus Center for Franchising. So um, they're doing great work for young people, getting them involved in business ownership and franchising. And so um, they have announced five scholarships. Um, this is the third year they're yeah. handing them out. Um, and they are sponsored by people in the franchising space. Yes. One, I have to get a November. shout out to, Go ahead. give a shout out to uh, the, the Mr. Don Dwyer, who is part of the Dwyer group that purchased service brands that owned Molly made, which is now, of course, we're all known as neighborly. But it was great to see his name in there as somebody um, along with Ray Titus himself, who has really been instrumental in getting these scholarships available to people who want to pursue franchising. Yeah. And in education, that's so cool. Yeah, and we've got Jeff and Sherry Sieber of Fran Fund. We've got JJ Rendomino from United Franchise Group. We've got Rob Morris from Chick Fil A and the Coble family, um, who has a foundation uh, that's helping fund the franchise scholarship. So, uh, I was down there for a board meeting, um, I guess in the spring, and they had the students sit down and, and speak and talk about their experiences. And they're going in various directions. Some get help buying up their very first franchise. Um, some go into service providers or um, consulting groups and kind of get their feet wet there. A lot of them have the goals of business ownership. Some of them have business ideas already and are trying to get those launched. So it's a great way to get young people interested in entrepreneurship, I think. Well, I have to say that as a franchise owner, and especially, um, and I'm going to speak on behalf of Ray, even though he didn't ask me to, because that's just sometimes what I do, right, Ray? Um, I think as some of the larger franchise owners, um, we would all really enjoy doing some kind of internships with some of these young people who are doing this 
for school and they've got the summer off, they're looking for internships if they don't want to work on the franchisor side. I mean, yeah. I would love to have somebody come in and work my business and learn from all the local marketing stuff that we do, giving back to the community, um, a lot of the employee engagement yeah. stuff. I mean, that would just be awesome. Yeah, and they did. We're doing internships. I turned into a little bit of an alien there for a second. Um, but several of them had internships. A lot of times they're looking in their geographical areas in their hometowns so that they can go home for the summer and save money. Um, they would prefer paid internships, but I think depending on their situations, they may be able to do um, unpaid. They are looking for ones in their general areas. So each year they'll put mm -hmm. out information about who's looking in what areas. So that's something that we could certainly help them um, publicize and get the word out um, and help these kids yeah. and help our, our fellow franchise people uh, find some extra summer help and some training and, and have mentor opportunities. Totally. And you know what, then they go back and they decide maybe they were not to take away from our franchise or friends, but you know, maybe they decide, you know, working for a franchise or is pretty cool, but Hey, owning my own franchise, like that's rock star stuff. I would much rather do that. Yeah. So, and they're looking for all the experiences. So I think they're open to yeah. anything. So if anybody out there is interested, we can certainly put you in touch with the Titus center um, and let you know of, of dates yep. when they, when they begin looking for summer internships for sure. Awesome. Awesome. And I know we now have an amazing guest. I'm super excited to talk to um, coming up. So uh, I think Fred very soon is about ready to get us started, huh? Yeah. There we are. Take Hello, it away, Drew. Ray. Welcome to the show, Drew. Hi, Ray. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go ahead and read Drew's uh, bio, okay? Sure. All righty. Put the glasses on here. They say I look better in glasses. <laughs> no, we don't say you look better. We say you look wiser in glasses, right? Oh, why? Well, so what you're saying, <laughs> I can't look any better? <laughs> right. You are at the top of your game right now. Excellent. Okay. Here we go. Well, Drew Chaffin and the team at Rhoda Chaffin Franchise Law are the franchise attorneys who've been there before. As a former owners and in-house counsel for the best-in-class franchise development firm, the team of Roto Chaffin and first-hand experience in taking brands from their franchise sale through multiple uh, strategic exit transitions, transactions, bringing more than just decades of combined legal experience to the table, the team of Roto Chaffin and Franchise Law know the players. They know the game, and they're there to help take your franchising pursuits to the next level. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, so, Drew, Thank you. To just to sum it up, you basically help people become franchisors and get them scaled, sized, all the way up to the point where they're ready to be sold off or invested in by private equity firms. Is that right? That yeah, good? that's so I mean, we are we're a franchise or focused law firm at our core. Right. But <clears throat> we found that, you know, our, our niche within the niche is we really like playing in the emerging brand space and kind of 
being like taking a brand to market for the first time as a franchisor. So the first franchise disclosure documents that they've put together, uh, oftentimes it's literally forming, you know, ABC franchising LLC. It is taking them from that one or two corporate owned locations, taking them to market as a franchisor through the FDD preparation process. And then, you know, it's, we offer a cradle to grave approach, having, having owned systems that we've, taken from what the, the first FDD and first franchise sale up to an exit and a combination into publicly traded companies. Um, you know, that's kind of why we call ourselves the attorneys who've been there before. It, it sounds a little almost like we have a chip on our shoulder. We don't. It's it's just it's just the background. I mean, we yeah. come from a background in franchise sales and development. We then transitioned into owning some of the brands that we functioned as an outsourced sales solution for. And after taking them through that exit, we were freed up to kind of write the next chapter. And the next chapter for uh, my myself and my partner was to start a franchise or law firm and help other brands um, become a franchise. And as we all know, the first step to becoming a franchisor is you have to have the proper legal documentation. And, you know, a franchisor at its core is just a house of contracts, right? It's just a bunch of franchise agreements, maybe one or two company owned outlets. It's an asset light model. So getting that initial foundation done properly um, is it, it's the bottom layer of the pyramid for your franchise system. So we're very happy to share our knowledge and experience with emerging brands because a lot of the brands that come to us, you know, they've got they've, it's deer in headlights when they kind of get the scope of what the regulatory landscape looks like, right. what the document set looks like. Um, so that's where we specialize is with emerging brands. I had put a little note here, like you're kind of like the dream actualizer, or the champion of the entrepreneur, right? So you take the people who have worked really hard, they built up this great business, and they want to go to the next level where they can start sharing kind of their dream and their success with other people. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great way. And I might, I might have to borrow those from you, by the way, the dream, <laughs> the dream actualizer. That's a, that's a really ambitious, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to see my parents later this evening. I'm going to have to let them know, guys, just so you know, I've uh, changed, changed my title here. You, who <laughs> needs CEO? Who needs, you know, all these other letters? Just call yourself the DA, the dream actualizer, right? No, but that's really important because, you know, we've talked to a lot of people who, who have these great businesses, maybe some family run businesses that have been in, you know, their families for generations. And, you know, I talked to somebody today, matter of fact, I kind of alluded to one of the gentlemen I talked to and he said, yeah, you know, my buddy, he's getting ready to, to buy his um, parents dental firm, but he doesn't really want to go into like the dentistry part. He wants to go into the business part. And he has visions of being able to take this practice and like franchise it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where my dream actualizer and the champion of the entrepreneur came from. And having my conversation with this guy, I'm like, oh my God, that's really what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's what I think the the force multiplying effect of of expanding via the franchise model, creating entrepreneurs out of people in the form of a franchisor who then go and spread that out to create dozens, hundreds, thousands of, of new entrepreneurs at the franchisee level and then trickle that one step forward to, you know, this is a lot of you know, somebody's first summer job or it's, it's employment. I mean, if I, if I kind of trace, trace it back, we, 
you know, it's, we feel kind of, it's, it's a bit of a butterfly wing effect, right. Or butterfly effect where you sure. know, we, we take a brand to market and then who knows what could happen downstream. Um, if I had to pick kind of a, a why, um, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty high up there on the why or what's exciting about being able to do this for me is because I don't know who's going to turn into the next Chick-fil-A. I don't know who's going to turn into the next Roto-Rooter, but it's very possible that it could be one of our emerging brands and who knows what the downstream effects of that are job creation, economic development. Um, and it's, you know, it's a lot of fun to, to drive around town and, and look at a strip center or see a truck on the road and say, Hey, Hey, I know that brand. And it's not just, I know that right. brand because I heard their jingle on the radio. It's I know that brand because we helped put those trucks I know that guy. in some small way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you see in emerging brands? We get a lot of people who are looking to buy franchises and, you know, we always talk about the pros and cons of an established brand, of an emerging brand. What do you see as some of the biggest benefits um, for people who might be looking to buy an emerging brand from your perspective, obviously? That's a great question. I think a lot of emerging brands don't necessarily have, you know, they systems processes the business model itself you know it, it may they may present it as 100% fleshed out but they could absolutely benefit from you know second sets of eyes especially eyes from people who haven't necessarily been in the business day in and day out so if you're coming into an emerging system as you know the first 10 20 franchisees into the system and the franchisor is not uh, you know just so dead set in their ways that they have it all figured out um, you, you have an opportunity to help build the brand that you've chosen to invest in. So in a lot of ways, your first set of franchisees, if the franchisor is smart, will treat them as much like franchisees as they will kind of a, a, a member of their board, right? I mean, they're going to be the boots on the ground that's saying, hey, this menu item looked great in the photos that you sent us, but it's, it's just not selling. And here's the data right. to back it up. So there's a lot of, you know, the flow of information is not just top down in a franchise system. And that's especially true in an emerging system. Franchisors who listen to their franchisees and that first group of franchisees who can kind of filter information back up to the franchisor, it creates a really healthy, positive feedback loop to strengthen, strengthen the brand itself so that when they go on to, you know, 30, 40, 50, the next hundred franchisees, they really, you know, it's an iron sharpens iron kind of, uh, kind of effect. Oh. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it would certainly help with people who are validating it as well, because they've got people who've been involved intimately in the process as the brand has grown. I'm yeah. sorry, Ray, go ahead. One of the things we talk a lot about on the show, practically chapter and verse, is due diligence. And we're, uh, a lot of times we're talking specifically to the Zors, but how does that refer to the, uh, to the person starting a franchise? Uh, as far as due diligence, what kind of due diligence do they have to do? So for, for a brand that wants to go to market as a, as a franchisor, what sort of due diligence should they do? Mm -hmm. um, I recommend, I'll do, a, I'll do a quick book plug. It's not mine, but first go read the E-Myth Revisited. Um, I think that's a great first step and take, and take a good, hard, honest look at, you know, what, you have put together? Have you put together a business in a box? Have you put together an operations manual that if everyone, if we snapped our fingers and, you know, you weren't available to your franchisees for three months, could they take the playbook that you've given them and run the plays? 
right? Um, so I think in a bit of internal due diligence at the store level itself is extremely important for, you know, is what I'm taking to market, is it truly that business in a box that a franchise should be? And then, you know, a little deeper in the weeds would be, you know, I would I would be very aware of any challenges that you faced on the local level from a regulatory standpoint, whether that be, you know, it's very prevalent in things like medical based franchising or if it's a, a service based business that has like a high degree of credentialing, like, you know, plumbing or electricians or something, you know, you have to be aware that there's going to be additional hoops for your franchisees to jump through. And while you don't necessarily have to have it all figured out at the state and local level across the country, you at least need to be aware that there's going to be some, some challenges that they're going to face from a regulatory standpoint based on your business model and uh, your phone's going to ring, right? They're going to be looking to you to provide some, some support on that stuff. Even if your franchise agreement says, you know, compliance is the franchisee's obligation. We push all the compliance obligations down to you. Your phone's still going to ring. Right. So Drew, a lot of people though, when they get started and they want to do something like this, I mean, they're not going to just say, okay, I've had this family business for 40 years. Now I want to franchise it. Do they just call you guys up and you help them get their operating agreement, their FDD in order, or do they need to go out and solicit some of that um, information and put those things together before they come see you? How does that work with your firm? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think we, and this is true of, of a lot of other franchise, franchise or law firms as well, that, you know, we can help everything from, you know, what Ray was describing on the due diligence side, kind of doing a viability assessment of, hey, you know, are you even ready to, to turn in, to, to be turned into a franchise? you know, in a, in a, in a prior role with a franchise sales and development organization, I mean, that's constantly what our vetting process was essentially a viability assessment. So it's almost second nature to us to kind of, kind of do that for an incoming client. We also partner with a couple of groups, um, several of the, the big names out there um, to, if they are looking for someone to do a little bit more of that operational consulting on the front end and then come to us just to kind of paper up what their franchise system is. We're happy to work through those types of relationships, but we are, you know, a core competency of ours is taking someone to market as a franchise who knows absolutely nothing about franchising at all and in educating them along the way, right? Not just delivering them a 300 page document package and saying, all right, best of luck. It's making sure that they understand, yeah. you know, what they're getting themselves into. Um, and it's, it's just second nature to us. You know, we come from an, uh, an in-house council background where it was a lot of operations, uh, boots on the ground decision making that happened on a day to day basis. So, you know, the kind of advice and consultation that we give, I, I, I really picture us as we're about 50 50. We're about half business consultancy, half legal advisors, because that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, when you're helping a brand put their franchise offering together, you are absolutely with a seat at the table, helping them make business decisions on how to position their franchise relative to their competitors. And what's what's best for them, you know, what they yeah. want their what they want their life to look like, so to speak, both financially, economically, um, support for their franchisees wise. How thin do they want to spread themselves? How ambitious are they? How fast do they want to grow? How smart is it to grow that fast? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we absolutely we, we plug in 
um it was just soup to nuts really yeah yeah it sounds to me like you stick a mirror in front of the, your clients and say would you buy a franchise from this guy we we tell them you know the when we're building fdds it starts with a questionnaire and we tell them this question you're going to learn more about your business filling out this questionnaire than maybe you cared to know like we're gonna we're 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 gonna open up the refrigerator drawers we're looking in the junk drawers here yeah Yeah, what's going on yeah but you know that's so important because if you think about it people who are going to invest in these brands not only do they hopefully recognize they're an emerging brand, but I mean, you're taking your life savings, you're putting your family's future on your, on the line. And so it's important that everybody understands that you can't just go out and become a franchisor. So whether you're looking, you're somebody who's looking to buy a franchise system and you're nervous about emerging brands, I think that's important to know. And if you're somebody who is an entrepreneur who says, oh, you know what, the way I'm going to make money now in the next 10 years is I'm just going to turn this thing into a franchise. Well, it's not just that easy. And I think that's important. Um, your message certainly should not, uh, you know, just fly by somebody's ears who think that that's what's going to happen. Because it's, I mean, that's the beauty of franchising is that it is regulated and uh, there are people watching and you can't just, you know, put a brand out there and say, okay, now we're a franchise system. Yeah, I think there's definitely, to Ray's point of kind of putting a mirror up in in the brand's face, It's there's an element of stewardship here as well, like between you and your franchisees where you, yes, you may have taken your life savings to take your brand to the next level and scale via the franchise model. You're also going to be asking your franchisees to potentially fund these things with their 401k. I mean, mm-hmm. go into, uh, you know, a significant amount of, of, uh, of debt potentially, um, which could be a very smart business move for the franchisee, but it also, you know, it's, it's scary. There's you're, you're asking a lot of your franchisees, especially as an emerging brand. So treating it with the respect that it deserves, um, I think is very important for an emerging franchisor. And there is great benefit to franchisors who treat their first set of franchisees that way because they become your best validators, right? I mean, they essentially become your most powerful sales force via the validation process. What is one of the coolest, what is one of the coolest franchise models that you have run across and say the last 12 months that maybe before you'd never even thought of something like this coming about and now they're franchising it? I got a, a pretty cool one. I, I just issued the FDD earlier this week. It's it's very, very cool. Is it okay if I go ahead and say the brand name? Is that all right? Oh, I'm sure they'd love it if you just sure. issued an FDD. I mean, yeah. you're their attorneys. We'd yeah, love to hear absolutely. it. Yeah, sure. So it's a brand called Shrunk 3D. And the to see the it if you saw it driving down the highway, you would think that it was a two, a two horse trailer if you just caught it in passing, right? It's a large, it's a large trailer. You get up close on it, and inside the trailer, there's um a a a a, a worker who is operating a laptop, and there is a, a monitor screen that's in a small part of the trailer. And then you walk forward into a portion of the trailer that looks like something out of out of Men in Black or 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> Inside that room is somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to 90 high definition cameras all over the walls, on the ceiling, on the floor. They take a 3D scan of you and they can do it with you and your dog in the booth, you and your whole family. They can do it just just you. And then they send that 3D scan. They are able to, they have a proprietary software that kind of renders that scan into something that can be used 
for generating uh, 3D printed models, and they will they will send you a copy of yourself, and you can get it. Oh my god! It, it's it's, it, it's like a self made. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to say blow up, but like a self made Barbie, right? That's like a, it's yeah. And it's, I mean, these things are like true to life. I mean, every detail they, I mean, they, they see a lot of applications with it um, in, in the military. You have a lot of, of military families who get one done of their, you know, their son or daughter before they deploy or go out. Um, and they're just, it's just really neat. It's got a, it's got a serious wow factor when you see it. And they do a lot of their, a lot of their marketing efforts are kind of like event-based things. Um so it's it's a really neat, really differentiated brand that uh, yeah. I've never my head really, is yeah never seen anything. I'm like going that like, before. oh my god, the things you could do. It, yeah, that, that that's crazy. So <laughs> Drew, for for people, I'm like, just my mind can't stop thinking about this 3D thing right now. Um, for people who are interested in either forming a franchise for maybe emerging brands that need a little extra help and they're maybe not as happy as they thought they once were with their law firm. How do they go about finding you guys? Uh, it's a great question. Um, Rotashalfont.com um, will lead you right to us and, you know, any just general Google search, we're going to, we're going to pop up. Um, uh, contact forms are on the, on the website and everything. And then, uh, you know, I'm more than happy to have you guys share my direct contact info associated with the episode here. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty, awesome. pretty, pretty widely available and we're on all the, the major channels. I don't have, I don't have a TikTok yet, but I'm not closing the door on that quite yet. So we'll see. I think you should start your TikTok with Shunk 3D. I, it's, it's yeah, oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> So one of the one of the gentlemen that we um, that kind of he introduced us to the brand. He's in the consulting space, and he introduced us to the brand. Um, he had a, he had a model made, and he spent the next three months as as the brand was kind of spinning up, and he was just taking picture. It was just pictures of his little his little three D model, like you know sipping fake sipping a margarita on the beach or, you know, hanging out, standing on top of his laptop in a business meeting. Okay. This changes everything. My girlfriends, my, my girlfriends go on trips and the the first time I had COVID, I didn't get to go on our first girl trip. So they had a Kristen Barbie and Kristen Barbie did all kinds of fun things that maybe normal Kristen wouldn't do. Now the problem with this shrunk 3d is it would actually really look like me Exactly. And they, like yeah. they could do compromising <laughs> things and I might actually get into trouble for things I wasn't even there for. That's right. This could be a problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see this one go. Awesome. <laughs> well, Drew, thank you so much for coming on. And I'll tell you what, sometimes, you know, we get these things like, oh, we're going to have an attorney on. And I'm thinking, hmm, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? And then it was on your, I was on your social media pages and I'm like, hey, check out some of this really cool stuff that they have, you know? So um, super fun. I definitely going to have to invite your friends from Shrunk 3D on the air because I think uh, we've got a lot to talk about there. This Kristen Barbie thing's got me all freaked out now. So, um, I really thank you for your time today. We will have, if anybody's looking to contact you, we will have all your social media links and everything on our website, um, as well as all your contact information. We certainly hope that you will uh, come on again with maybe uh, the Shrunk 3D brand and let's see where they go or grow from here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for having me. It was a pleasure.
It's great. Thank you. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new move-ins to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y dot com. Jerry, where have, where have you been? Well, I've been all over the country. You know me, Kristen. I'm going to call you Truck and Jerry. Look at you, are still in that truck. <laughs> oh, I missed you, though. It's good to see you back. You know, let me tell you something. Coming back from COVID, the COVID brain is a different brain today, as you might have picked up on already. I, I hear you. But we're, we're going to work this out together, Kristen. So you just hang in there, all right? Sounds great. What are we talking about today, Jerry? All the craziness going on out there today. Craziness. So the state of California has a little bit of a uh, history of doing things that are not necessarily positive for small business or the franchising model. And once again, this week, they, they uh, put a, a new bill forward that is going to cause some pretty major upheaval in the franchise industry. And even with, you know, outside the franchise industry out there. So I wanted to Talk a little bit about that today. Um, you know, we always are positive about franchising on this show. We always talk about all the great things and the great opportunities within franchising. But we also need to be very aware that there are roadblocks to franchising. And we need to, you know, continue to educate uh, people that want to be franchisees or people that are and they may have some struggles. So this is an opportunity to just talk about this. Uh, it's called the FAST Act, F-A-S-T, FAST Act. And it is... You know, in, in layman's terms, it's an effort by the Service Employees International Union to unionize all fast food workers in the state of California. And um, frankly, they have not been able to do it through a national effort uh, because it's really another version of joint employer uh, where they want franchisees to be basically general managers instead of the owner. They want uh, the franchisor to be responsible for all of the employees rather than the franchisees. So this is an effort to go to the state level and take control of all of those, um, all of those employees. So it, there are some issues with that, as you can imagine, Kristen. Um, in essence, I love my, I love my crazy California people and, and, you know, my dad lives there, but I have to tell you, Jerry, in reading some about this, I think what people have to understand is like, you wouldn't even be able to barely afford to go buy a happy meal at McDonald's if this act goes through, because you're talking 20, 22 to 25% price increases on the cost of anything at a quick serve restaurant. Right. And, and Chris, that's just, again, to, just, just to keep them open. Right. I mean, the, the businesses have to have profit to stay open. Right. So, you know, it, it's another tax 
in essence, that's going to be passed along to consumers. So you're right. You know, the, the cost of meals are going to go through the roof. And we got to remember, this is not just franchising because uh, in and out is uh, not a franchise, but it's a very large brand out there and they're going to get hit the same as the franchise brands will be, you know, uh, you know, my friend, Matt Haller, the president of the International Franchise uh, Association, uh, put it quite well. I think he says it's a solution in search of a problem that doesn't exist because yes. we live in a world right now, Kristen, where there's a huge shortage of employees. So any employee, if they don't like the, what they're making, can go next door and get a raise because everybody's competing for the same workers. So, you know, putting that's right. a, a, an act in place that's going to be a a very large roadblock for franchise systems uh, is, I think, I think it's a, an error that they're making because here's what's going on. You know how in tune I am with the franchise world. I've talked to three different groups, franchise groups in California in the last two days. All three of them have said they are no longer issuing licenses in California for future growth. And when licenses run out out there, uh, they've heard from some of their franchise that they will not renew them if this is passed. So there's going to be a lot of your favorite brands that will, in essence, not be available in California in the future if this is signed into law. That's so sad. But, you know, what, what, and Fred and I always joke, right, about me coming and opening a business out there in uh, Shell Beach or Grover Beach, which I would love to, to get back to my favorite state. But I will tell you, I think this is one of those huge faux pas that they are making. And what you're going to find is the homeless population that they have right now is going to become even bigger because there's not going to be any work. Franchise systems employ so many hundreds of, I can't remember the number, hundreds of thousands of people right. in franchising. And this is, this is a solution. This well, creates a whole nother set of problems. And just to put it in perspective, and I want to get this quote right. So I'm going to actually read it to you, Kristen. Uh, and this uh, this also comes from the IFA, and this is this is the way this law is being written. It's going to it's it's discriminatory against the franchise business model because it's going to allow a group of ten politically appointed individuals to set wages and working conditions at franchise restaurants. So basically, the employer is not going to be able to make that decision. It's going to be uh, this group of ten politically appointed individuals. Uh, and they're going to also be able to file enforcement actions against the franchisor and franchisees, among several other concerns. So in essence, these are going to be elected officials that are going to govern how you run your business. And even a perceived issue could turn into a litigious issue, which adds even more cost to that situation. So it is going well, to be a mess. From, from from a pillars of franchising perspective, I think, as we talked about, you know, the goal is not to, um, we never want to sugarcoat things, right? And we don't ever want to be the naysayers, but we do believe in eyes wide open. And this is kind of one of those situations that if you're looking to go into franchising, really make sure you understand, particular, particularly in the state of California's case right here, right? I mean, this is a big thing. So that might not be the best choice at this point in time. Right. But who and knows, other- right? Two, two other points to go along with that, Kristen. Number yep. one is the people that are uh, litigating this in the state capital in California have already come out and very boldly said they're not going to stop with fast food. They're going to try and expand this into every franchise model. So nobody is safe out in California right now. And they've also said 
there are two or three other states or municipalities, you guys probably know which ones they would be, that are going to use this to copy it. In fact, I, I believe, Kristen, you and Ray may live in one of those municipalities. So wait for it to knock on your door. Because you know what I keep saying, Jerry, four more years, I got four more years of my contract. And if that comes knocking on my door, I'm just going to move to a different state. But yeah, that's for yeah. more reasons other than franchising situations. Yeah, but, think, but think about this, whether it's you or somebody in California, the value of their business is going to go down exponentially because you oh. won't have as many buyers for it. Yeah, terrible, terrible. So what I, what I would tell you is, again, trying to put a somewhat positive spin on this. We can't save them all, Kristen. We right. got to understand that California and maybe some other areas are going to do this. But I've also heard from state capitals around the United States that there is no appetite to even consider anything like this for those states. So I think the vast majority of the states in the union are still going to be very positive, very good opportunities for franchisors and franchisees. And as you said, we just need to have an eyes wide open situation where we help educate potential franchisees about the pros and cons of different areas and different franchise systems. And this is just one of those, Kristen. So that is the thing I wanted to talk about today. And I'm always awesome. here if anybody wants to talk more. Well, and I will say in closing, I mean, listen, we all control these things, right? So let's make sure everybody's voting, know what it is that you vote on in your states, in your counties, because if you go out there and either choose not to vote or you vote blindly or ignorantly, not really understanding, you know, what you're doing, that's how we get into these situations. And, uh, you know, you may not be the franchise owner or the person that works for the franchise, but I bet you know somebody who either has one or uses one or shops at one or eats at one. Right. So it's going to affect everybody, but I do, you know, I, I think Jerry, I got to still ask you, I mean, aside from all this, would you still buy a franchise today? You know, Kristen, nothing else has changed. Uh, at least for me. Uh, in fact, I would argue there are still tremendous opportunities. There's money to be borrowed. There's just all kinds of positive things with the franchise model. Uh, this is a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a downer, but at the same time, you've got to understand that you don't necessarily have to go to California to open your franchise. You can open it in any of the other states. And in many cases, you're going to open in uh, business-friendly states that will actually protect the franchise model. So I would argue just buyer beware, make sure of the things in your state or you, your municipality that may negatively impact it. But franchising is still by far the most successful way to open a business. So I would say, do it. If you're thinking about it, don't wait like I did. Get on the ball, get it done. And if you need help, call Pillars because we're here to support you. Thank you so much, Jerry. As always, we appreciate all the time and effort that you put into researching the project that you're working on. And we know that you are super active in Washington as well with IFA. So if you're a franchisee or, or out there and you're not part of IFA, big shout out to them. Please get involved and make sure again that you know your vote does matter. So get informed and make sure you do the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Kristen. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at FranchiseShow247.com. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have calling guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. 
That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. Hello, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing great. Sorry, I had a moment delay there as I uh, mute myself, you know, being bio hair. You never know what you're going to hear. I get my face in the picture. I don't know where Fred's got me. What are we talking about today? Great show. I was going to say, you know, this is really fascinating. Love, love all the different, the the different viewpoints. Um, Enjoyed (laughs) and enjoyed uh, Drew and uh, what he was talking about. I, I can't wait to, I was, I was make notes and then go and find out more about the, the franchises that we, uh, that we talk about the emerging brands and all the different ideas. It's great. And well, I know you have, you have grandkids. Pardon me. Are you, are you a grandma? I am. <laughs> I am. A so shrunk 3d. <laughs> I'm just thinking. That's a great 3D. idea. Yeah. How cool is that? I like it. I like it. Great idea. I was like, where is she going with yeah. that one? I think that's a great idea. Hey, shrink them versus me. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want me anywhere. I'll, I'll take them versus me, you know? So, you know, but I was going to even, I, I wanted to talk about with what Jerry was talking about and kind of really kind of focus a little bit more on, you know, he was really talking about these, um, what's happening with legislation out in California. And a lot of times mm-hmm. as franchisors, franchisees, perspective or even existing franchisees, you can get a little bit bummed about it and kind of focus on some of the negativity. And even though we have to go in eyes wide open, there, there are some things instead of things that we can't do. Um, I like to talk about what can we do? Some things that we can focus on to help protect our businesses, our franchises. Absolutely. So I think one of the things that, you know, you were talking about voting and I always make a vote. I always make a joke here and say my vote really in Illinois doesn't count. Chicago doesn't really count. But, you know, um, that's that's just because of where I live. So I'm in one of those probably uh, states that aren't as friendly to businesses. Get at the same yes. time, I was going to say I am actually a um, a part. I'm actually on the board of a, a group called Small Business Advocacy Council. And so they're a they're a nonpartisan group and they're mm-hmm. really fighting. They're advocating for small businesses, franchises, and they're very involved in, you know, really working across both aisles uh, to, to uh, make a change and impact change. So one of the things that I would say is that for all of us, get involved in something like that. Each state has something like that and really get involved because that's where we're going to change things is to kind of head off before it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, good point because our state is always right on the heels of California. So I think for people here in Illinois, we have to think about that and, and, and really start to understand what's happening. So, um, so, you know, the other thing we could talk about a little bit, um, can you still hear me? Okay. I can. Okay, good. Um, I got the warning low battery um, is there's a lot of things when you talk about unionization with these workers and things, and Jerry brought up the point of being able to, if you don't like where you are now, you just go down the street and get a new job. I mean, I think that right now, every franchise owner needs to focus on being kind of the employer of choice in their area. Don't you agree? A- absolutely. Uh, it, it's, but in two, in two different ways, if you think about being the employer of choice, there are really two areas. It's your process and your people side. So it's mm-hmm. making sure as a franchisee that you have your processes buttoned up. 
because many times that's left at the franchisee level, just based right based on where things are. So it's making sure you have a consistent policy for hiring, firing. How do you hold people accountable? Uh, just making sure all that's in place and you have a system that you're updating regularly. So that's that's one side of it, you know. And then you've got the other side. It's the people side, and I think so many times um, franchisees are so busy with the the day to day but it's really taken a look up and kind of looking at more of a higher level view to say, okay, how can we be the employer of choice? And, and thinking about those critical factors of how they can be that employer of choice so they can actually retain people. Right. They're not running down the street. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What else do you have for us today, Karen? I mean, you know, it's, I it's, it's like a can of worms. You know, it really is. And, and one of the things that when you talk about employer of choice, I thought I would share a few things because when we talk about that, that can seem kind of, it's almost like when you say the word culture, it seems very, does it seem squishy? Mm-hmm. It's kind of squishy and kind of, it's really hard to put. It's very squishy. It is, it is. So, you, you know, one of the things that when, when I talk about employer of choice and things that what can we do as franchisees, it, it's it's basic things like making sure we've we have a, a vision. You know, we have a vision that people understand what our purpose is and and kind of how they fit into that vision. Um, there's also where I think it's it's more about our leaders, the people that we have. How are they treating people? It's basic things. When I say basic, mm-hmm. these are things that, and many times you say, well, that's basic, but it's the knowing. But but there's many people that don't do this. I'm going to hear story after story about poor leadership, you know, and the way leaders, the way they oh. treat people, right? Whether it's micromanaging yeah. people and, and, the, and the mistreatment of people. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because it's not the attitude anymore, of, you know, oh, we'll just get somebody else. It's hard to get. Right. People. So it's really it is. how we're treating, how we're treating people. Well, and a lot of times people, there's a big difference, you know, back in my corporate days, it was always about being able to walk the talk, right? Yes. So and, and I think that's really important. So you can talk about it, but until you can get out there and do it and make sure that your employees feel that you're doing it, that they are part of the solution, that you really do care, it's all for naught. So true. true. And I think there's also so many, you know, what I'm hearing from franchisees is they're almost afraid to hold people accountable. Oh, let's just let them do what they want because we want to keep them. And what, yeah. what I think they don't understand is that to get to keep your good people, right? To keep the high performing people, it's to make sure you have that if it's a culture of accountability and at the same time doing it so it's people centric, you know, so it's not like hammer, hammer, yeah. hammer, hammer on them, yet it's it's involving them, you know, where it's yep. also not top down, it's involving them, but having it where they know again their role, what it means to be successful and having yes. this kind of culture because people will stay for that. They're going to leave yep. if they don't have that into place as well. Awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much. I really, you know, I've been watching your stuff on LinkedIn and I would tell people that, you know, if you don't follow Karen on LinkedIn, you probably should um, because she's got some great leadership stuff out there, some great things that um, showcases some of the companies that they work for, some of the the people who are going through their leadership program. And, uh, you know, I just want to, again, thank you on behalf of all of us at Pillars for the hard work that you do and the research that you put in to make sure that the content that you deliver to us is not only quality, but also very timely. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. I have a heart for franchises. I have a heart for small business, business leaders. So thank you. It's my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Karen. I am Elizabeth Denham, the chief content officer for Pillars of Franchising. And I'm telling you that um, 
because I am always looking for people with a great story in the franchising space. If you have a great story that you would like to share either in the magazine or on the show, you can fill out our contact form on pillarsoffranchising.com. Also, while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the magazine. Um, You can choose all of the services that you might be interested in if you're looking to buy a franchise, sell a franchise, become a franchise, if you need mentorship, and if you need to get the word out about your business, we have a lot of a variety of sponsorships for you. So be sure to visit our website, like, subscribe, and share this show. And we appreciate every comment and every engagement that you offer. Um, so be sure to visit our website at pillarsoffranchising.com. Okay, no one told me I was on mute. (laughs) I couldn't click over fast enough. Oh, that's so funny. I have something blocking the view of myself. At any rate, we want to thank our audience today for joining us on the show with our guest, Drew Chalfont. Please be sure to like, comment, and share this episode. Thank you to Jerry Akers, Ray Piller, and Kristen Schilmetzi, our Million Dollar Mentors, Karen Kimsey-Sword, our Mentor Mastermind, uh, Fred McMurray, our Producer, I am Elizabeth Denham, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been the Pillars of Franchising, and as usual, the dream starts here. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.